Well, good morning. Welcome to LifePoint today. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're here for the very first time, thanks for coming and checking out our church. We'd love to meet you after the service. Inside of your program, there is a card called a Connect card. And we'd like for everybody to fill one of those out, especially if you, if you are here for the first time. We want you to do two things. We want you to come back. That's the first thing we want you to do. We call that Try Five. I want you to come five times and check out our church and just see if this might be the place where God is calling you uh, to plug into a church family and to take some steps spiritually, perhaps steps that you've never taken before. And we would also like to ask those of you who have never found out more about our church to take part in the LifePoint Welcome Experience, which is right out there in the lobby. There's a room right off the lobby on your left as you go out. If you could go in there. I'll be there after the service. I would love to meet you. Say hello, tell you a little bit about our church's story and how you can take steps to get involved. After you fill out the Connect card today on the way out, you can drop it in those boxes in the hallways that are marked Connect card. So today we're starting a brand new series called Making Change. And I'm sure when it comes to the area of finances or possessions, that if we were all tell the truth, we'd like to see some change in our life when it comes to that. Maybe you're doing great financially, maybe you're struggling financially, but wherever you are, you probably could make some changes for the better when it comes to finances. And now those of you that are here for the first time, you're thinking, great, I'm talking about money today. Why even talk about it? Well, I think that it's not talking about money that makes people uncomfortable at church. I think it's the fear that I'm going to ask for some. Uh, it makes you reach around for your wallet or zip your purse up just a little bit tighter because it, this is about money. And so the whole thing is about them asking for some. So it's not talking about money. It's actually the intent behind it that I think people worry about because people get abused that give money. Sometimes you give to a cause that doesn't use it correctly. Uh, sometimes it's mismanaged. Sometimes uh, that it never goes to what you think it's going to go for. But that's not what this series is about. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about how each of us can make some significant changes in our life when it comes to money and possessions. We're going to have four conversations about how we can make some changes. And we need to do that because money has a huge hold on many people's lives. And at times, probably all of us deal with, whether you're trying to manage a big bunch of it that you have, or you're trying to get more of it, it tends to have a big hold on our lives and also on our hearts. In fact, Jesus talked a lot about money. If we're going to go with Jesus, which we go with Jesus at our church, if you're here for the first time, if we're going to go with him, we have to look at what he teaches. And Jesus taught a lot through telling stories. Two-thirds of the stories that he told, where he taught, uh, had to do with money and possessions. So if he thought it was that important, it's important, and we need to pay attention to it. I think he talked about it so much because Jesus knew the hold that money and possessions could have on our lives. And I think it's no secret that money is a big cause of stress, marital issues, illegal activity, conflict in relationships. I'm not even going to say, raise your hand if you've argued about money if you're married with your spouse. Don't, don't raise your hand. Somebody's like, oh yeah, we do it all the time. 
but we do. So over this series, we're going to be talking about these four statements that you see on the screen. Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. So let's, let's say those together. Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. So each of those statements, we're going to talk about them in the four weeks of this series. I want them to haunt you after this. I want you to think about them. I want you to be letting them go over and over in your mind today. Today we're talking about what less is more really means. Because when it comes to money, I would like to have more. Who would like to have more? Now that we can, we can probably agree 100%. There may be some people who's like, yeah, I'm okay, I got enough. But most of us think, I would like to have more. But when, is, when do you get to more? When do you get to enough is enough? You may have a dollar figure in your mind, or maybe you don't, and you're just at this endless chasing over and over and over again. See, we might think, well, okay, less is more. That doesn't really make sense. How could having less be more? More is not always better. If you have a schedule that you just can't make work out, and you're running around eating dinner in the minivan most days of the week through the drive-thru so you can get your kids to all the things you have them signed up for and all the things they're involved with, is more better? No. If you work 50, 60 plus hours a week every single week, or even more than that, is more better? If things in your marriage are not quite what you think they should be at home and you go seeking approval and relationship elsewhere is more better more can get us in trouble more can cause want the desire for more can cause us to do things we normally wouldn't do the desire for more can send our lives off in a direction from which it's very difficult to recover more can sometimes take us places where it feels like there's no return. Take a look at this video. So more can get us in trouble. Always wanting more is kind of like a big black hole. It never really ends. Where do you stop? More can take the freedom out of our lives. Now, I like stuff. I like to get stuff. I like to buy stuff. I actually like shopping a little bit. I shouldn't <laughs> confess that to you, but I do. But when it's always the idea of more or the quest of more that motivates us, then it's like chasing the wind. It's like jumping in a black hole. It never really ends. If you've ever moved, you know what it's like to like get rid of your junk? Isn't it great? Like when you go for a move and you, you, you get rid of things, and over the last month, I've helped a couple of people move, and I have a policy. I just try not to have close enough friends that will help ask me to help them move, but evidently I do. So I've helped a couple of people move. I'm kidding. You can ask me to help you move. I, I, I might help if I have time. So, But we had a couple of new staff come along, and we helped them move in, and both times they're moving in, they're unloading these huge trucks full of their stuff, and I hear the spouses talking. We don't need that. We don't need that. Because always, I think every couple, one's a hoarder, likes to hold on to stuff, 
and keep lots of stuff because you might need it. And then the other person is like, I'm a minimalist. I don't want all that stuff. And so it's interesting. Over the last month, I've heard two couples do that, talk about, oh, that's going on Craigslist. That's, that's going to Goodwill. We're not doing that. No, no, no. We have to keep that because, and they all have this long reason why they want to keep it. And maybe if you go home and raise your garage door and you can't get your car in it, maybe you have too much stuff. Because a garage technically is for your car, not for all the extra stuff. And if you're putting all your extra stuff in the garage, maybe, maybe you got an issue with more and more and more. Did you know worldwide there are 63,000 storage unit facilities around the world? In the U.S., we get 53,000 of those. There's enough storage facilities in the U.S. for every man, woman, and child to stand under the roofs of that covered storage. That's a lot. If you combine all of Starbucks, McDonald's, and Subway, which there's a lot, there's still more storage units. It's easier to find a place to store your stuff than get a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> all because we have so much stuff, because we wanted more, and we're addicted to more, we have to put it somewhere, and so it fills up our garages, our attics, our storage unit, our budgets, and our lives. And when more gets out of control, it becomes greed. When more gets out of control, it becomes entitlement or debt. And what we're going to do in this series is try to Help us shift our thoughts when it comes to this idea of more and break the addiction to more. Now, some, some people may think, well, less is more still doesn't make sense to me. Less is more because if it wasn't, then all of the people with more would be the happiest people on the face of the earth. So think of the people with more who have everything they want, who chase everything they want and they get it and they have more than you, whoever that is maybe have more than all of us combined. Are they happy? Are they the example of what it means to live a full life? Probably not. Probably those with more, if you looked at it statistically, are less happy than those with less. Right now we have a team traveling back from our two churches in Ecuador. They'll be back today. And I've been on that trip four, five times. And I imagine they're going to come back like everybody who goes on that trip, and they're going to be blown away at the level of happiness they saw in the faces of kids who have nothing and families who have almost nothing compared to what we have. I was there last year, and we got on a boat, and we went to this remote island off the coast of Ecuador uh, that actually floods twice a year. So all the houses are on stilts, and they have these bridges built that they use for streets when, when it floods. It wasn't flooded when we were there, and I saw these little kids. I took a video of them. I was so struck by it. They were kicking a soccer ball, and they were laughing just like kids were, do here. They were messing around, you know, pushing on each other and goofing off, and, and, and they, some of them just had rags on. Some of them had nothing on. But I was struck at how much fun those kids were having with this worn-out old soccer ball. If more was the key to happiness, then those kids shouldn't be happy. If more was the key to happiness, when, I go in, when I've gone in a one-room shack and people express their gratitude and I see smiles and they appear, from what I see, to be happy people, 
If more was what it took for happiness, then those people should be walking around sad all the time. But they don't. And if you've ever been to a country like that, an underdeveloped or developing country, and you've seen people like that, you were probably struck by the amount of smiles that were on their faces, and they were not carrying the latest gadget in their hand. They didn't have the, a car at all, or probably no way to go anywhere. They didn't have the things that we have, but somehow they smiled and seemed happy. See, more competes for our hearts. More, it competes for our motivation. And more even competes for our faith. In the Old Testament, there's a king named Solomon who had more, had a lot of stuff. He was one of the richest people that ever lived, even, even today, in today's dollars. And Solomon was also very wise. And here's what King Solomon had to say about more. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, he said this, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I hope you remember that verse today. Because I'm going with the less is more approach to the amount of verses I'm going to share today. That's the only one. Less is more. If you remember that one and you can start to live that one, your life will change. The contentment that you want, you will receive. The slowing down that you want, you will receive. Because Solomon might, might as well have said, it's better to have one wife and a strong marriage than to live with the fear of being found out. I mean, this principle applies to all parts of life. Better to have a modest position and a strong family than succeed in my career at the expense of my kids. Better to have what you need than be buried in debt because you're just chasing after the next biggest thing. So let's read this out loud together. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. See, there's less, and then there's chasing after the wind for the next thing that you may never find. So what we're going to do today, I'm going to provide a, a simple pathway to stop chasing after more. How can you live the less is more lifestyle when your garage is packed full of stuff, when your credit cards are full, when you got bunches of, bunch of payments, when you got a storage unit with all the other stuff in it that you don't even know what's in there? How do you move to less is more? Well, the way King Solomon did it, because he got there, he was, he was charged with leading the nation of Israel after his father died. And God came to King Solomon and he said, ask me for anything that you want. And he could ask. Now, if God said that to me, Donnie, I'm going to appear to you today. Here's your, here's your pen, your paper. I want you to write down anything you want and whatever it is, you're going to get it. I would have a list. It probably look like a Christmas list. Oh, I'd like to have one of those and a couple of those. And wouldn't that be great? And so Solomon had this opportunity to ask God for anything. And the thing that he asked God for was not a bunch of stuff. The thing that he asked God for was wisdom to be able to rule God's people. And when he asked for that, God responded with this. Wisdom and knowledge will be given you. And I will also give you wealth, 
possessions, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had, and none after you will have. That would be hard to do. Anything you want. I mean, we would probably, I might ask for some money. I might ask for some cool thing that I might want. You probably do the same. Solomon could have said, God, could you wipe out all my enemies, all the people that want to harm me? Could you just go ahead and kill them right now? I mean, I'm, I wouldn't ask for God to kill anybody, but I might ask for them to, you know, get sick maybe or, or feel bad or something. That would be a big responsibility. And he answered with, give me wisdom to rule your people. And this wisdom that he got led to him saying, it's better off for you to have less and experience happiness than it is to have more and keep wanting more and more and more. It's just like chasing after the wind. There's a big power in cutting back in our lives. But for some of us, that's hard. It's hard because if you're part of my generation or maybe even the generation older than me, you grew up with watching people want and get more. Let's get more stuff. Then they're creating more stuff to buy. I mean, like the 80s and 90s, that's the time, right? All the new stuff's coming out. All the really cool stuff is hitting the market. A phone went from something in your house to in your car to in your pocket. I mean, wasn't that cool? I mean, there's just more stuff to get. And so my generation and the ones before me struggled with this, this living to achieve more and more and more and more. So if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you probably saw it. You saw people, or maybe it's you that said, I want a bigger house. I want a better car. I want more stuff. Oh, I want another house. And I want this. And just on and on. And if we could just get the right amount of stuff, then life would go better for us. And then there's the generation that, that's not called the me generation. That's my generation. There's the generation that's the 20-somethings and down right now. That's you. There's a couple of things you need to know. One, you need, there's some things you need to learn. First thing you need to learn, yoga pants aren't new. They were in the 80s. They were just called spandex. Right? It's the same thing. It just all comes back around. We just ripped our jeans up and wore them under that. So yoga pants are not some new fancy thing somebody thought of. They just remarketed the old 80s spandex. So there's not a lot of new stuff you can experience. So, But here's what you need to know. You need to know, if you're in the generation of 20s and down, called the millennials, you need to know that if you want to, if you want to buy things, you have to work. <laughs> you have to get a job. You have to, uh, you, you, just showing up at work doesn't get you anything. I know showing up got you a trophy growing up, but showing up at work doesn't just get you anything. Now, don't be mad at me, okay? I'm just telling you what you can learn. Now, here is what the rest of us can learn from you. Because there's something really unique about the, new gener the newest generation, the millennials. Because in most of us in our generation, we had a show called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Remember that? Then we have, had MTV Cribs. Wasn't that cool? Watching MTV Cribs, seeing how everybody lives, looking at all the stuff they have, all the fancy things they have, and we would see that and say, I want that. One of the biggest shows on TV now, driven by the millennial generation, is called Tiny Houses. 
It's a house from 100 to 400 square feet because something that's been discovered that those of us who are a generation ahead need to learn is they're not really concerned with getting more and more and more things. They're, they're more, they value more experiences and relationships. And do you think it's because they grew up in a world where mom and dad were gone to work all day having to pay for all the stuff we have and they came home to an empty house? Do you think it's because they saw mom and dad fighting over money and many, many times divorcing because mom and dad wanted more and the kids were the casualties? And so what we can learn from those in their 20s and down, for the most part, not every single one of them, but from that generation as a whole, is we can learn what really matters because when we were doing research for this message, uh, there's, a, there's a website called Becoming Minimalist. And there's all these stories you can read about people who have decided to be minimalist. That means getting by on just a little more than you need and valuing relationships and valuing experiences. And as we looked for, let's find a good story of somebody that became a minimalist. And here's what I found out about the minimalist movement of people that are saying, let's live on less so we can give more back. Let's downsize so we can upsize our generosity. I didn't find one from somebody that also said I'm a follower of Christ. I found a lot, but I didn't find a lot that said we are followers of Christ and that's why we do this. Now I'm sure there's one out there, but go try to find one because I, I had a lot of trouble finding someone that held up Jesus as Lord of their life and said, I want the simple life so I can invest in people. I'm going to live on less so I can give more. So if you want to take a step towards less is more, the first thing you have to do is learn how to cut back. Cut back. Cutting back allows us to clarify what actually gives meaning to life. So this week, I'm going to challenge you to do a few things. Uh, try cutting back. Now, how would you cut back? Well, it's different for everybody. Maybe for you, you only watch six channels, but you pay a couple hundred dollars a month for 200. Maybe that's a good place to cut back. Maybe you eat out so much that it's affecting the kid's college fund. Maybe you need to think. Or maybe we'll eat at home a little bit more. But there's a way for everybody to cut back. And it'll be different for each of us. But what if we all said, I I'm just going to cut back because better is one handful of tranquility than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. Now, after I cut back, after I make a decision to cut back, a few months ago, Cinda and I decided we we're going to cut cable. It's been an adjustment. Uh, but I figured it out, you know, what to do, get the Roku box, all that stuff, use my Apple TV and figure out how to watch what I want to watch. You just can't always watch it when you want to watch it, but we cut back. Now, the next thing, after you say, I'm going to cut back, the next thing, and this will cause tension in many a family, is to clear out, to get rid of the things that we don't need. Now, it's easy to refuse that and say, no, I need some of this stuff. I have to have it. But our focus and perspective in life will change when we start to clear out. The muddiness in our life and maybe in our, organ in our living space, 
will change when we start to clear out. Because the more I have, the more stuff I have, the easier it is to forget where that stuff came from. The easier it is to forget, this is a blessing from God, everything that I have. So when I start to clear out, when I start to get rid of things, now I'm, I'm, I'm not a hoarder, uh, but I, I do like to keep some things. That's not hoarding, right? I just like to keep stuff, right? I'm working on it. It's not, I don't, if you came to my house, you would think, you don't really hoard stuff. But if you went in my attic, it'd be a whole different story. Love being able to have the garage open up to park in. We do that, but the attic is like crazy storage stuff. I have almost every bicycle our girls ever had hanging in our attic. I don't know why. I dream of one day, you know, they'll come home years from now with their kids and this was your mama's bike. You know, it's probably dry rotted and, but, but I still, I have them up there. And people have said, hey, these kids need bikes. Do you know anybody that has a bike? And I'm like, uh, nope, <laughs> you know. And one time I loaned one to somebody and they, I said, look, when your kid outgrows that, you bring it back. And they brought it back and I have it. Got to get in the attic. It's still sitting on the porch. But some people are hoarders and this is going to be really hard for you. So over, over the next seven days, go through your house and think, what do I need to just clear out? What do I need to just get rid of? And curb alert it. Sell it. Give it away. Take that money and pay some debt or give it away. Do something with it. But clearing out is a practice I think Solomon would agree with. I think he would agree and say, God can satisfy you just as much with one handful as he can with you trying to hold on with everything to get more in life. And then the last step is pay off. Just pay things off. Cut back, clear out and pay off. So next week, we're talking about our, uh, how stress uh, or how debt causes stress. A lot of other things cause stress, but, but debt is a big cause of stress. See, most Americans are in so much debt that their paycheck is already spoken for before it ever gets to their house because they just want more and they feel trapped. I remember the first car that we bought when we got married. It was, it was uh, 48 months of payments, and I had that book. That's back when you got payment books. Remember those? And I remember ripping every one of those out, and I remember watching it go down going, yes, yes. And there's a freedom that comes from that. Now, some people rip the last one out and say, great, got to get another one of those books. Let's go get another book. Some people look at it and see freedom. But debt affects so much more than just our paycheck. It affects relationships. And maybe the reason those millennials are such minimalists is because they watch their parents deal with debt in such a way that it destroyed relationships, even parent-child relationships, mom-dad relationships, and they want no part of it. Imagine your life without going for more all the time lower stress, valuing experiences over things. And this is not just for people that don't have all the money they want. You might have all of the money you're ever going to want and all the money you're ever going to need, but that doesn't mean you can't live the principle of it's better to have one handful of tranquility than two and be chasing after the wind. Even if you have all the money you need, 
our hearts are still prone to seek more and more and more. So maybe you've heard me say this, hey, let's, uh, let's clear everything out. Let's pay everything off. Let's cut back. And you think, okay, I want that. I would really like to have that. Can I get some of that less is more? That would be great. Well, if that's you, we're going to go through a process over the next several weeks that I would love everybody would participate. Because this was so popular last year, we're going to do it again this year. It's called the LifePoint Debt-Free Christmas Challenge. Can you imagine getting in January, not being afraid when, when, when Mr. Visa shows up at your house and not being like, oh, I got to open this, but I know. And last year, the only thing that we said we'll adjust for 2016 is we're going to introduce this a little earlier. It was a little too close to Black, Black Friday last year, and you already planned, you already read some ads, and it was like, I'm not doing that. So if you said no last year and said, I'll do it next year, let this be the year where you say, I'm going to get through Christmas, and I'm not going to go in debt one penny at all. I'm not even going to use credit cards because people spend more money when they use credit cards. No question about it. Not disputable. But I'm going to pay for things in cash or debit card, but I'm going to pay as I get. And that probably means for many people, you just get less. Maybe it's a great time to talk to the kids about what it means that less is more. So we'd like it if everybody went on Facebook, join the LifePoint Debt-Free Christmas Challenge, and then you can share like, hey, here's how we're doing Christmas. Here's what we're making. We're making Christmas gifts, or we decided uh, a set amount for each person. And where Christmas doesn't become this endless pursuit of we got to get more stuff, the storage unit's almost empty, so let's get us some more stuff. Instead, it becomes something that's about relationship, and it becomes what it's about, and it's Jesus Christ's birth and gift to us. If we weren't all mixed up in the purchasing and chasing, maybe we'd have a better Christmas. So take the LifePoint Debt-Free Christmas Challenge. Uh, you'll find creative buying ideas, gift ideas on there, and you can share anything that you're experiencing as you're going through a Christmas without debt or spending less. Second thing we want you to do is uh, take this class that we're going to have on Saturday morning, December the 3rd. And we'll announce this every week in the series, but it's called Managing Money God's Way. And we have a financial planner that's going to teach this class. Uh, we'll have breakfast included, and he's going to talk about budgeting. He's going to talk about how to use your money the way God intended for you to use your money. He's going to talk about debt. If you're in debt, how to start taking the steps to get out. Or if you're not, how to never get there. And then in January, and we'll announce this more as the time gets closer. We'll do our annual Financial Peace University nine-week class, and you can participate in that. If you want to be a part of what we're doing on Saturday morning, December the 3rd, simply mark it. You've got a few more weeks to do this, but if you want to go ahead and sign up today, just write money on the back of your Connect card, and when you hand them in those boxes today, uh, we'll know that here are the people that want to take part in managing money God's way. Here's why, here's why all this is important. Here's why we would take four weeks and talk about a topic that many of you may think, well, this is not really a spiritual thing. Why would we take so much time and talk about it? Because when we live with the idea that more is more, I crowd out an opportunity for God to work in my life. When we live with, without the tools to use our resources wisely, whether you have a lot or a little or you're in the process of getting a lot, 
When we don't have the tools to handle that responsibly, we crowd out some great opportunities for God to work in our life. For us to have the freedom that we need to have and also for us to be generous to make a difference in others' lives. That's why this is important. That's why it's important when we say these four things. Let's put them back up there and read them again together. Just put the the title slide up there. It's fine. There there it is. Uh, No, well, that's good. That's fine. Let's say this together. Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good. And tomorrow matters. Please come back and be a part of every one of these weeks as we take this making change journey together. And whatever changes you need to make financially, may God give you the strength and the courage to take the hard steps that it takes to do those things. Let's pray. God, we confess that our abundance can get in the way of our faith. And fathers, I pray as we, as we go through this series and we see your desire for our finances and we live that less is more and commit to a low-stress lifestyle, realize that giving is good and tomorrow matters when it comes to our finances. God, I pray that you would just give each person the courage No matter how much or little money they have, no matter how much or little financial stress they have, but you would give them the courage to take the financial steps needed to experience the freedom to use our finances in a way that honors you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.